Parts of the U.S. are dealing with a shortage of doctors, especially primary care doctors. Justin Markowski is a Yale School of Public Health doctoral student. He co-authored a study that looks at the shortage of primary care doctors, and he joins us on the record here on WCBS. Justin, good to talk with you. Interesting topic. Why is there a shortage of primary care doctors? Great question, Steve, and thank you for having me here today. Very happy to talk about this. So there's a number of factors leading and driving us toward this uh, shortage that we're experiencing, and it's multi, uh, multifaceted. There's debt burden that we see come with medical graduates coming out of the out of uh, programs across the country. There's also lifestyle choices. As of today, about two out of every uh, two out of every three physicians in the country have chosen to become specialists, partially because of that debt burden, but also maybe a lifestyle factor going in there. Uh, but it's not just a shortage alone. There's also a misallocation of physicians across the country. So even though there's as there's as many as fifty thousand uh, physicians that that we need in this country, uh, there's there's definitely not an equitable allocation of them. Yeah, we understand there are more than a thousand federally designated primary care shortage areas. In other words, areas designated that have a shortage of primary care doctors. What qualifies an area to receive that designation? That's right. And there are four factors that go into that uh, designation. There's uh, a lack of physicians just generally relative to the population. So you could call that a physician density. Uh, there's also high, you can look at poverty or infant health and also travel time. So some combination of those four factors leads a state official to ultimately identify an area as a potential shortage and then submit an application to federal officials to help draw attention to those shortages. So it's really this integrated dance between local, state, and federal officials that ultimately results in these designations. Is there any indication that this shortage designation is leading to more doctors coming to those areas? I mean, there are obviously jobs available there. It's a good it's a good point, but that's where our study comes in. So we conduct the first national 50-year evaluation of these programs, finding that there isn't a lot of evidence of this reallocation happening. That instead we find that there's really a persistent, there are persistent disparities in accessing physicians. And as a result, that has led to worse health outcomes and persistently worse health outcomes over time. What does this shortage mean for healthcare and the well-being of people who live in these shortage areas? And that's that's really the the where the rubber meets the road, Steve. We see that there there's just this persistent lack of investment in these communities that really not only impacts their health but their overall well-being. That there's a significant need. There's higher rates of mortality, uh, but there's just it's really hard to get uh, to to move the needle on this. And the current menu of policy solutions that we have at play seem to be falling short in this. Uh, in this task. Now, we know that some doctors work in shortage areas, maybe it's a public hospital or an impoverished area, in exchange for scholarships or loan repayments. So they're there for a while, but do they stick around long term? Sure. So we don't really find evidence that that supports that idea that they do stick around long term. The best evidence that we see shows that they live out their two-year commitment, uh, as is currently uh, the national approach that they commit for two years to work in an underserved area, and then they can effectively leave and get some of their loans forgiven. And because of that, at best, we have a revolving door. But at worst, we actually have this 
uh, we it becomes that much harder to actually recruit folks into those underserved areas. So they go to rural Oklahoma and they put in their time, but they do it only because they have to, and then they move on. And that seems to be uh, a common narrative throughout. Yeah, and that's just that's only a partial solution. What we do see is that. There is some evidence of folks moving right after medical school, maybe for a year or two, but then as soon as that happens, they tend to go back to uh, more urban, higher income areas. Well, Justin, I guess here's the million dollar question. What's the answer, the solution? Does it all come down to money? Do you pour more money into it? It's a great question, and it's something that we've asked ourselves a lot, but I would say it's unlikely to do so, but we will soon find out. In 2022, the Biden administration uh, injected about an extra billion dollars of spending to help boost this program. But the evidence doesn't really seem to pay uh, to play out and indicate that that's going to resolve the problem because the cost to effectively incentivize a sufficient number of physicians to move into those underserved areas is likely going to be much, much more expensive than the funds that we currently have available and would be 10, uh, ten if not more, uh, fold more expensive. So we really need to think outside the box and, and look at physician alternatives, as well as other sorts of uh, more targeted programs, perhaps. It's a fascinating subject. We'll call those areas Dr. Deserts, just not enough <laughs> doctors in those areas. Justin Markowski at the Yale School of Public Health. Thank you for talking with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me.